There we go. Too loud. From CSG Studios, high above the streets of beautiful Denver, Colorado, you're listening to the Colorado Sports Guys. They talk about sports and stuff. And now your hosts, Jeff Morton, Ross Martin, and Nate Timmons. What's up, everybody out there entangled in the interwebs? We're back. CSG, Ross, Hipsters, Glasses, Martin. We sent them down to San Antonio to cover the Nugget Spurs game without telling them that the game's at Pepsi Center. <laughs> Making his way all the way down here from Thornton, we've got the king himself, Jeff Morton. What's up, everybody? Uh, nice to be back at Jake's Food and Spirits. Nate, how you been? Been doing well, man. Real well. Yeah? Almost too well. Oh, my God. You could say. What is, uh, well, that could mean several things. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm in the middle of, of changing, perhaps, careers oh. for my uh, my... My other life that I live, my non-sports life. So maybe have some good news coming down the pike. We shall see. So that's yeah. been good. Oh, well, that's good. Good. It's uh, might be moving at some point soon. Mm. Out of Aurora, Colorado. So oh, all the way out there in uh, BFE. Yeah, God, it's so far away. That is that is really far. I mean, it's far for me to drive. It's far. I feel like I'm but I live in, fifty I'm, out there. I'm in. I'm the king of Thornton. <laughs> it's out of my realm. Yeah. So, um, Thornton, I've been spending a lot of time. My my sister travels a lot. My oldest sister, who lives in Thornton, uh, I house it for her frequently, and I've spent a lot of time in Thornton. Kind of feel like I know my way around a few spots now. Oh yeah, I found Dunkin' Donuts. Yes, you that, did. That's killer for coffee. Uh, I go to the Safeway a lot up on Thornton Parkway in yeah. 88th. Um, I love, I absolutely love being able to sneak downtown on Brighton Boulevard. Yeah. From like Yale or wherever. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if that's Thornton where I've been. That's th- Well, I, it's, you know, it, it's weird because that part where I live in Thornton is not technically Thornton. It is, is Denver Thornton. The address is like both Denver and Thornton. It's weird. It's a weird situation. And where you, your sister is, is kind of Denver too. It's kind of Denver. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, and then we uh, we all went out to Adam Mara's house to watch some NCAA tournament games. And he was like, "Way the fuck out in like." <laughs> yeah, uh, I didn't know where I was. It was com- it's it's listed as Commerce City. I yeah. didn't even know that part of Den- the, of the metro area was populated. Yeah, but uh, you I want to weasel my way back over there to watch some playoff games. Well, NBA gonna, playoff. Well, games. he's got a sweet setup there. He's got a killer setup. Just Built it himself. Finished his own man cave with his proud own of him. two hands. Is what he used. Yeah. So uh, I, I am proud of Adam for having quote unquote gumption. And Very true. I, I uh, will be. We will be back over there watching those games. Um, so anything else going on with you? And there's nothing going on with me. I. I I've also been. Been very jealous of, of my colleague Harrison Wind, who lives right in the heart of downtown Denver. I, I lived downtown for like three years. I'd like to get back there eventually, but I don't know if I will. Could could you could you really? I mean, you're you're at a different point in your life now. Could you really do that? I would like to because I fucking hate traffic, <laughs> and it's getting worse and worse. And for you to drive anywhere, you have to go through traffic. It's awful. So if I live downtown, I could like if I could walk or take a short Uber ride to Pepsi Center, I'd be pretty happy about it. Well, it's a, what if you could live in those pe- those places that are right across Spear Boulevard that I'd, they just built? I'd have to kill someone to be able to afford that. Oh, that's true. That's pretty expensive over yeah, there. It's awful. And then you know maybe there's a, a garbage place for to to rent that you could uh, you be in. But depending on this new job of yours, you know, 
You, know, you, you never know. You could be rolling in dough that, you know, is untold at this point. So I'm getting a, I'm going to get a penthouse and glass house being one of <laughs> Gallinari's <laughs> neighbors. He's the one next to Gallo. Like, what's up, Danilo? <laughs> got a couple questions for you. Here's the, here's, the, here's the glass house where I live. Oh, well. Yeah, but not, nothing too wonderful. much besides that. I've been trying to, uh, trying to get back into the whole eat better, work out more thing. You know, that's always a, a fun, fun trip. How's that going? Ugh. It's a day-to-day struggle, my friend. Well, it doesn't help that every time I see you, I encourage you to either drink or eat something really bad for you. <laughs> yeah. So obviously, uh, I'm, I'm contributing to your to whatever is happening. But uh, but we will be what, eating uh, some good food down here at Jake Sports. Yes, we will. So yes, we will. We're lucky for that. What about yourself? Anything new? Um, I've been watching a lot of things, but we'll talk about that later. But I've been watching a lot of Netflix, and uh, I've watched so many movies and Netflix uh, shows. Hopefully we can save some of that towards. Have you seen the ranch yet? By the way, I did, and I fucking hated it. You didn't like it? I really liked it. Why? I watched two episodes. I gave up halfway through the second episode. Really? When they had like that roadhouse scene where the mom's like a bartender, <laughs> Deborah uh, Winger. I, I couldn't take it, man. I was like, "What is this show?" Oh, man, I liked it. Maybe it's because you're out of the situation comedy thing. You know? Yeah, it was just, it, it felt like a, a poor attempt to try to recreate some of the magic they had on that 70s show because they also have the... The guy who played Hyde. Yeah, yeah Hyde. And I, I really like that 70s show, but I'm just, I feel like those comedies are just, it's gone, dude. And what's his, who's the, uh, Sam Elliott? Sam I mean, Elliott. Come on, man. What you don't like. Sam Elliott is like the I coolest person. Elliott. He's awesome. I mean, literally, the dude abides. Yeah, the dude bites. <laughs> Sam Elliott, great guy, but I don't know. That show sucks, man. Oh, wait, we could talk many, about this. How many have you watched? I've watched six. Okay. Yeah, let's let's save it. We'll you save have it to. Later. You have to give it a chance. So we'll, I, we'll, I tried. We'll, we'll, <laughs> I like in the <laughs> two episode episodes is not okay. Whatever. I knew the first one. I you can't ever judge a show by the pilot. You have to at least, yeah. like you said, you got to give it a few shows to try to get like where the jokes are coming from. So yeah. They have to develop their writing shtick and all that stuff. But I, I enjoyed it. But anyway, we'll talk about it later. You know, it's been a bit of a joke lately. The Denver Nuggets on-court effort. Nice segue. Yeah. Nice segue. Well, I, uh, it, it was interesting you bring that up when you, when you talk about effort. Because I talked to uh, Mr. Uh, Michael Malone today at uh, Nuggets practice. And I wish we had some audio. But it was recorded with my iPhone, which apparently um, translates to being recorded with a tin can. On your computer, so yeah, it sounds like <laughs> shit. But don't don't you re- you record on your phone for your videos sometimes? I do. You do some video camera and then some phone, and it sounds just fine. It sounds fine. I don't I don't know what it is. <sighs> maybe maybe it's the uh, it's uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's, maybe you got a slightly older version of the iPad MacBook so, Air than I. So did. the Nuggets have had. Uh, <laughs> let's see what this is. One loss, two losses, three losses, four losses, five losses in their last six games. Yes, uh, your colleague, bad. one of my uh, one of my buddies, one of the, my favorite reads in the NBA, Adam Marez, uh had written that article that we talked about last week about the Nuggets needing to go zero and seven. Yes, and they went out and beat Memphis in Memphis to the frustration of those who love to count lottery balls. I saw there was a, some commenters on Stiffs last week that said they uh, did not take kindly to me saying that all fans wanted the team to go 0-7. There are still people out there that want them to finish strong, so I will say the 0-7 crowd, those that want the lottery percentages, the Nuggets screwed up royally in Memphis, but they have gotten on Mares' plan for the last three games. Losing to the 
New Orleans Pelicans in, in New Orleans somehow, losing to George Carl and the DeMarcus Cousin Les Kings, and then getting pounded by the Thunder. It, that, that Thunder game wasn't even close after the second quarter. It was awful. It was, it was just it was dreadful. We I got mean, to see some Nurkic Jokic again, though. We did. A little bit. A little bit. And, you know, I'm, I, I wish they would commit to us seeing that a little. I wish they would commit to it more than, like, in a three-minute juncture. You, well, you, were, you were going to bring up uh, some of what Malone said today at practice. Mm-hmm. It, did anybody, I mean, I wasn't there, and I love to pepper him with Jokic Nurkic stuff. Yes. Nobody asked him about that. What did he talk about? What were you uh, leading into? With? Well, actually, I did. Uh, this is going to be coming out on a CSG video. Ah, that's on the, on the, uh, on the Colorado Sports Guys video, or excuse me, YouTube channel, yeah. which I, I uh, compose, compose videos for. You don't compose videos. Whatever. Hey, direct <laughs> them, produce them. Producer. I am the auteur of. <laughs> uh, Michael, uh, could we do that again? We need could, another take. Uh, we need you to say that again. And could you say it louder and with more convention, please? Yeah. And uh, could you uh, maybe curse? And can we get that vein back in your forehead yeah. from the game? Here, I'm going to spritz you. Just make it seem like you're sweating. Um, no, he. Uh, it's funny. He. I did ask him about the the Nuggets' um, last three games and how they related to both mental fatigue and the fact that they were eliminated from the playoffs. And he admitted to me that there was the fact that they, once they were eliminated from the playoffs and he called, he said, I said that they were playing lackluster and he said, that's being kind. So obviously he's seeing the same things we are. And he said that once they um, got eliminated from the playoffs, it's just their, their mind switched off. They lost by nine to Sacramento by 22 against the Thunder. So they have, I, I, I can see that. I mean, obviously, we, we were talking about the team. We were texting the other day about the performances and, you know, trying to figure out what it was. Because, I, I mean, I think you had said, and I believe you had, well, I don't know if you tweeted about it. I don't know. What, you, what did you think about that Sacramento game? And you, you talked to Carl. I don't know if it was on record or off record. Well, on the record, I, I yeah. had asked him about the, uh, the Nuggets' effort it's not effort, but they, their, their energy in the second half. And he said he basically what he did was he agreed with my statement that the Nuggets, despite Sacramento coming in on a second night of a back-to-back, the Nuggets looked like the tired team. And he made it a point to me, looking at me directly, to emphasize that that was weird. And that's something that wouldn't have happened if he was coach. You know what's really strange to me, and it's been this way all season. I, I've, we've heard Michael Malone throughout the year and has talked about that he wants these guys to run more and to push more, and you see it with, you know, his his one big adjustment. We've talked about it. It's been going small, and going small means going faster in almost every case. I think, um, and even when he talked, he's talked about Jokic. He said. You know, if his teammates will just run with him when he's leading these fast breaks, they got to run with this guy. He wants to play faster. The team doesn't either seem on that same page quite yet, or is it that they can't? Well, part of it has to do, and Adam uh, Marez uh, talked about that today. We should have had Adam on at some point. We'll get him on we the had next him like, weeks. We had him on like a couple weeks ago. I'm going to podcast with him every day. <laughs> 
Um, just talk about nothing. <laughs> like, I, I mean, nothing even happened today. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you got, Adam? Um, Adam had brought up the fact that the Nuggets shot selection and defensive coverages kind of play hand in hand. And the Michael Malone really wants the Nuggets to get back on defense. And what I've noticed is that their huh, defense... Get back! <laughs> James Brown. You never expected uh, <laughs> the James Brown reference over here. <laughs> um, and one way they do that, uh, I just got to throw this out. I'm looking at the Nuggets schedule on ESPN.com. And there is a photo underneath sponsored headlines of Oliver Miller in the Indiana Pacers jersey. When was he on the Pacers? I don't know, but he has cornrows as well. I Whoa, think. really? That might be Eddie Curry. I think that's Eddie Curry. <laughs> they might look alike. <laughs> Oliver Miller. I think I've derailed our podcast. I don't know what we're talking about. Completely, what are we doing? <laughs> I keep, I'm staring at this. I'm like, what? who the, is that? The big O, Oliver Miller. I think that that's Eddie Curry. <laughs> Eddie Curry and Oliver Miller had similar body weight issues. You got to look at this picture, though. I got to show you this picture. Okay. Who is this? Is this Oliver Miller? You got to be careful. Oh, crap. Oh, wait, we're good. Okay. You see that in the Pacers jersey? Is that Eddie Curry? That looks like Oliver Miller. Doesn't it? I don't know who it is. You look, my God. I don't know who it is. I think it's Oliver Miller. I think it's Oliver Miller, but God, he looks like Eddie Curry. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Eddie Curry. That could not, that's not Eddie Curry. That's definitely Oliver Miller. Oliver Miller might be Eddie Curry's father. God. I doubt it, but <laughs> there'd probably be some sort of rookie season in 1993. <laughs> um, uh, what was I saying? Oh, uh, Malone was basically talking about shot, mean, Nuggets shot selection. Shot selection as where it pertains to their defensive coverages and then the fact that they have to get back on defense to stop the transition uh, points. Yeah, and like one thing they do to do this is they keep guys above the break. Yes. Right? Like that's the best way. Either you take your shots there or you always have somebody, one or two guys above the break that get back first. Like that's yeah. kind of a, a staple of, of what Malone wants to and do. And that's it's kind of a new thing. Uh, you used to commit pretty wholeheartedly to breaks. Everyone ran down. Um, and if you got leak outs, but you have certain teams that leak out and certain teams that don't. Um, and there's just it's just the way things are. But anyway... Malone said that basically the Nuggets just are missing a lot of shots because they don't have shooters, obviously. Yeah, and I mean, Moody is below thirty or below forty percent on the season. So. Nuggets get a lot of shots at the rim and they don't make them. They miss from all over the place. Yeah, they, and, and so that's part of the problem. But Malone was also saying that he does want them to get back. My theory has always been in out at altitude, it's harder to do an aggressive. 24-second defense approach because it affects your offense. And if you're doing um, – and if it's, – it's the altitude affects people in, a different, in, in, in all different ways. The Broncos are the only team in, in Denver that's been able to use it to their advantage, mostly because they only play once a week. These teams like the Rockies, the Nuggets, and the Avalanche, can, you can, it's a different situation. And I have noticed that the Nuggets are tired. And the last three seasons, they have just generally been tired because their defensive approach has been to play 24-second defense rather than having go for steals, you know, limit, increase your own possessions rather than 
limit the other opponent's possessions, which is which is basically what George Carl did. Yeah, that makes sense, and they do exert more energy on defense. I mean, they are constantly helping and you know, the helping is drives. Yeah. And, I mean, that's just going to take some of your legs out of you. Anybody that, that plays basketball knows that if you're if you're giving them you know maximum effort on both ends of the floor, you're just going to be exhausted. Yeah, yeah. it's just going to take a toll. And they just do pick and roll. I mean, their offense is just pick and roll after pick and roll. And I also think, too, that I think some of that will get weeded out with the offseason. Yeah. Now Jokic knows what an 82-game season looks like. Gary Harris now knows what it is to play in an 82-game season. Yeah. Moutier, the same thing. Some of that will get worked out. Obviously, you'll have Nurkic, hopefully a, a healthy, great summer for him. Uh Obviously, getting back Chandler and Gallo, Will Barton is a ball of energy. But the biggest thing is, like like you said, with these guys getting tired, is Will Barton has gotten tired, and he's a guy yeah. that told me in a in a story I wrote earlier this season that his quality was never getting tired. Like one of his <laughs> things, you know. So even he's figuring out, you know, a guy that hasn't gone through really an eighty-two game season with being leaned on as much as he has, another player that that that's gonna you know help out, and they they're gonna figure out. Uh, what they need to do in the offseason, I think, to train a little bit more. But to me, if Malone's really serious about wanting this team to push the ball more and, and play small ball and, and, as he's been preaching, you know, run more, yeah. they're going to have to do a lot in the offseason plus training camp to really get this team to a, a different level physically. I, yeah, and you and I agree completely and wholeheartedly on this. Their physical training and their fitness is paramount, specifically at altitude. It is just different. It's not like every other location. Even Utah is not the same. Denver is just unique. And you have to adapt to where you play. Because, you know, that's why I, that's where, I always said that's why the, these Nuggets have played better on the road the last three years than they have at home. Because they're, they, they, you sea level, you get that burst of energy, and that you can play that kind of style at sea level or, or close to it, when you come back to Denver, you are exhausted. And it's just it's the same thing. And it's what, they're going to have to find a way around it. It's just the way it's going to have to be. And I'm curious, too, to see what some of these guys do this summer. I, th- I think I'm, you know, Masai, Masai Ujiri, one of the major things, and even Conley has, has talked about it with this team. One of the major wins that they've seen is guys wanting to stay in Denver, yep. work on their games. We saw it with... Vaughn Fournier, uh, Quincy Miller, Jordan Hamilton, Wilson Chandler, you know, a lot of these guys have, have, have stuck around to, to work on their game. Who's going to be here this summer? We know Gallo's, you know, hoping to play with Italy. Um, I don't know if some of these other guys have national commitments. You know, there's there's Joffrey, there's, you know, Jokic, Nurkic, Jerkic. Jerkic. Uh, they're going to have stuff to do. You know, I, 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 I'm curious, where is Moutier going to go? Is he going to go back home to Dallas? I, I've heard he is. I've heard D. Brown's planning on yeah. going there with him. Uh, Darrell Arthur's from Dallas. He's really, really taken to Denver. Is he going to stay here? Is he going to be here next year? You know, like, what are these? What are some of these young guys? What's Gary Harris going to do in the offseason? Like, where are they going to go? I don't, I don't think it's obviously paramount that they're here, but at some point they do want to get here for a while. Like you said, they want to train and should want to train at altitude and do some stuff here. They have to. And Gallo's used to it. Gallo's been here for five years. Okay, that's Gallo and Chandler. Both he and, and, and Wilson are used to it by now. I think it's imperative for Emmanuel Moutier, for 
Nikola Jokic specifically. Jokic has a huge offseason ahead. He, of him. he, and you know, and I, Moutier, Moutier as well. And Gigantic. I was, I was told that Emmanuel Moutier will be at summer league this year, so that is good. But you need a consistent commitment to work specifically with where you're going to be playing your home games. And I'm hoping that the Nuggets players have kind of seen this and they will adjust and, and basically commit to coming back to Denver. And, and like I said, Gallo and Chandler, I mean, Chan, Wilson Chandler spends a lot of time here in the offseason. Don't have to worry about Will. Yeah. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, there's other things that, that play into this. And then when we get to this later, we'll be talking about ways teams rebuild and, and things like that and how they commit to that rebuilding. And that kind of plays into the decisions the Nuggets have to make later. And I'm kind of excited, too, from the fact that this team really seems to have grown closer together, especially guys like Gary Harris and Moutier. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if, if they got together this summer and, you know, once they go home, if, if Gary goes back to Indiana or wherever he calls offseason home and if Moody goes back to Texas, like, they're probably going to miss each other at some point. I, I remember being around those ages in, in college and going away for, for going back home for Christmas break and, and missing a few guys, yeah. you know, and wanting to be like, hey, maybe we should get together at some point. And it, it'll be fun to see what they it do happens. because they've grown pretty close and, Hopefully that chemistry carries over, you know. I well, think that's kind of what you're alluding to a little and, bit. And I think Moutier misses his brother, his his brother, and he misses his family in Dallas. Friends. He's, he's friends, but he's only 20, and it's kind of like Nurkic last year. Right. Nurkic spent a lot of time in Denver in the offseason. A lot of it was rehab, but he spent a lot of time out here. And I think he eventually recognized the... Uh, I guess the advantage of doing that sort of thing and committing out here. I would hope that other other these young players would would see the same benefit. Who knows about Jakar Sampson and Axel Tupon? Those guys signed contracts that are only guaranteed through the end of this year. So they got non-guaranteed for the next two. The Nuggets have a bevy of draft picks probably coming their way this year. It's going to be an interesting thing, but in the meantime, the players that are here do need to work in Denver to develop their, their bodies and their lungs. Yeah, and I feel like both those guys, both Chikar and Axel, have a, have a pretty good chance uh, of coming back. Uh, another guy that I really want to see him come back, I don't know what the possibilities are if he's going to do something else, but I think Mike Miller has been a revelation for this team. He's been great, and we asked uh, Michael Malone about that today. At practice, and he really what did he say? I mean, of course, that he, he was he was he said, of course, he wants him back. Yeah, I mean, but that's you know, Michael Mike Miller also hasn't played much this year. He didn't play much last year yeah. either, really. I mean, he got forced into some situations, but I, I'm curious. I, I just after reading, I, I keep bringing it up. Uh, Jonathan Abrams' book, that Boys Among Men. I just feel that the Nuggets. Reading this book and reading about the the prep to pro era and reading about yeah. these young players, like the the thing that sticks out most is, you know, obviously these guys have a mentality to succeed, but the thing that that really kind of came across is the guys that succeeded also came from pretty strong organizations that had a really good plan in place. I feel like the Nuggets, yeah, we we should applaud them for what they did with you know bringing back Chandler Gallo. Jameer Nelson, Mike Miller, to help usher in whatever this new era is going to be. I don't know what it's going to be yet, but 
I think that they've done a lot, especially you know behind the scenes, to really help these guys thrive. And, and this is a make-or-break offseason, I think, for Emmanuel Moutier. The Nuggets have to see, and there's, uh, I've said it countless times, there's no reason to think that he won't succeed because he puts in the work, he has the mindset, he has exactly everything you'd want to see out of a player, I believe, of he's going to put in the work. But, you know, he can't, for his career, shoot under 40%. No. From the field. Big offseason for him to improve his shooting. Yeah. He, Big. He can't shoot 40% around the rim when league average is 55. You know, he's, he's, he has huge areas where he needs to make a big leap. I think he can get there, but this is a big offseason for him. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. And it's, you know, Moutier has been, at times, really good. And yeah, at times, time, brilliant. At, at, you know, to where you like, you look at him and you think, that's the future. Yeah. And you think, I'm okay with the future now because of him. And then he has games where you're like, I, he can't get out of his own way, and he looks like the worst rookie. Like and that I, Clippers I, game, he was 2 oh of 15 yeah. shooting. And it was, and it was just bad. A, but he's had a lot of games where he's uh, recently, in March especially, where he scored in double figures, where he scored high. His last, I think, five games, he's been really good, shooting really, you know, really well. Well, both you and I know the role of the point guard has changed. Um, you're not just a distributor anymore. You no. have to score. And he has the mentality to score. Yeah, and he, he, what he's got to do is not only score, but increase his shooting. It's just his percentages that yeah. have to go up. I mean, he has, he takes enough attempts. He looks to score. He has everything there. Everything's right there. It's just the percentages have to go up. And, and exactly. I, I, I kind of believe they will because I think he's going to put in the work to make it happen. I mean, if I, I've said it, if he doesn't pan out as the point guard of the future for the Nuggets, it won't be for lack of trying. Yeah. And it won't be for lack of doing it the right way. So, oh, I agree. And I, and I feel pretty good about that, especially when you consider some of the leaps guys have made from year one to year two or year two to three or three to four. I mean, he's he's on the trajectory, I think, to, to, to really make a jump, and, you know, we'll see. Well, I hope so. And and for the Nuggets fans, you got to hope that. You have to because and you need to see there's, there's just factors, and you really, you really have to see that guy who was selected seventh to because you staked a lot at what he's the, the point guard position is a premium in the NBA now. You have to see that development and that kind of thing. Like I said, there's been great moments this year, and then there's been some awful moments. And maybe with his sophomore season, there will be less of the awful moments and more of the great moments. And there's really there's no reason to think that I, Yusuf Nurkic could usurp. Nikola Jokic next season. It could be a possibility. Mm. You could see Jokic from his rookie to sophomore season. I mean, there's got to be growth there as well. And the Nuggets are probably going to aim, like we've talked about with this endurance, of of trying to change his body. They got a lot of fat off his body, a lot of this baby fat, you know, 30 pounds, 40 pounds, whatever it was. They're going to try to build him back up. How does he respond to an offseason if he is going to be training all offseason, if he changes his body, how's that going to affect him as a player? And Nurkic is going from an offseason where he was rehabbing the knee into what appears to be an offseason of just working on basketball, and he's already ahead of the curve defensively over Jokic. Yes. You know, if, if, if he gets his offensive 
game going or, or settled or whatever, I mean, that, that's going to be very interesting, too, the growth of those two players. There's, again, no reason to think that Jokic can't have a tremendous offseason and come back looking a lot better. But at the same time, you see some guys have a brilliant rookie season or a good rookie season and then not be able to repeat that. So I'm interested to see it. There's no reason to think that he won't do well, but I'm just saying you got to you got to put all the cards on the table, and that's one card. Well, I'm curious to see in these last three games if the Jerkic combination comes back. Yeah. Because I, I personally think that we need to see more Jerkic. <laughs> we saw it a little, and, and, and actually for some good uh, moments in the Sa- uh, Sacramento game. Uh, Unfortunately, no Cousins in that one to no get a cousins, true test. Obviously. But they but, have Kufis. They have Willie Cauley-Stein. They have big guys that are capable. And what, and, and what had happened in that game is that George Carl saw what the Nuggets were doing, and he put athletic big men in there like Willie Cauley-Stein and Costa Kufis and knew that they could run the floor. Did you just call Kufis athletic? Well, I mean, <laughs> he's not bad. His hair is athletic. Um <laughs> And what's left? Of it. What's left of it? And he, they, they just ran the Nuggets into the ground in the second half. But that's not going to happen on every, you know, every kind of instance. Sure. Right now, if we put, if we look at the Jerkic, we need to see how they do together for an extended period of time, not just two or three minutes here or there. I want to see them together for five to six minutes on the court, solid time, bad, good, indifferent, whatever. See them together because it's just been so fits and starts, just a little bit here, a little bit there, and nothing sustainable. I want to see something I can grasp. Yeah. More jerkage. That's true. More jerkage, the better. Malone, don't be a jerk. Play the jerkage. Play the jerkage, yes. Play the jerkage. Well, let's take, a, let's take a short break, come back and break down a little bit of what's been going on around the NBA and how it may relate to the Denver Nuggets. We are recording this podcast at Jake's Sports and Spirits at 3800 Walnut Street. They've got deals every day of the week. Let me read you a couple of highlights. Tuesdays, two-for-one wells, drafts, and house wine. We're here on Tuesdays quite often, and we take advantage of that. Wednesdays, 50 cent wings after 4 p.m., 350 Colorado Natives, $4 house margaritas. And today, Thursday, the day that we are here recording the CSG podcast, I got 350 rotating tap beers, $2 bartender's choice. That's a gamble right there. You never know what they may give you. Or a $5 taco plate. Taco Thursdays at Jake Sports and Spirits. Weekend deals, Saturdays and Sundays, bottomless mimosas, just $9 at brunch, $4 Bloody Marys, $4 screwdrivers. You can't really beat that deal. Good Bloody Mary. Down here at Jake's Sports and Spirits, 3800 Walnut Street. Come see him. As for Jake Feinstein, you may find him. <laughs> Good old Jake. Good old Jake Feinstein. And I may take advantage of that taco plate, actually, tonight. That's a good taco plate. I wonder if that's... Uh, Corn, flour, tortilla, hard shells? I don't know. We'll have to find out. It's good. There's an establishment uh, in my neck of the woods called uh, Fuzzy's Tacos. Fuzzy's Tacos. Yes. I'd be kind of scared to order that. What's the fuzzy part about it? The tacos are are excellente. (laughs) Excellente? (laughs) Is that the only Spanish you know? (laughs) 
How's the tacos? Excellent day. Muy caliente. Oh, boy. <laughs> Terrifying. So the the big news coming out of the NBA. I mean, is it the biggest news? Sam Hinkie steps down as general manager of the 76ers. Was that the only title he had left? Yes, I think. So you never know. I mean, they had they had stripped a lot of his his duties by the time he left. Um, Very pretty interesting situation. We get Mark Stein tweets that he'd step down. Uh, Woj kind of chimes in around the same time, and they both kind of go back and forth on some things. Uh, the a letter gets released from Mark Stein. Thirteen page letter. A thirteen page. What would you like to call it, Jeff? Um, Samifesto. <laughs> the Samifesto. <laughs> Gets released, and then uh, today Woj writes uh, another story because uh, the Sixers are apparently Jerry Colangelo joined the team in December as a uh, I don't even know what you call his role image consultant (laughs) (laughs) the the image consultant uh, Woj basically says that uh, you know uh, they get rid of Hinky and they're going to be bringing in Brian Colangelo. Yeah, who was a brilliant GM with the Phoenix Suns, a two-time winner of the Executive of the Year, had some decent years in Toronto, but his end of the Toronto tenure, kind of on par with old Money uh, Bickerstaff. Yeah, maybe. it was pretty bad. The end brings in Rudy Gay, trades Barney Yanni, who he drafted first overall. Uh, I think that was oh no, Masai. that was Masai. But yeah. he but he drafts Barney Yanni yeah. first overall. I should yeah. say that. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you, you look at it and you think, how far because this – every team rebuilds in the NBA, but how far are you willing to take it? I mean, the, the moral of this story is how much pain are you willing to inflict in order to achieve what you need to achieve to going forward, which see. is everyone says championships. We want championships. Well, how much pain do you want? Because – the three years in Philadelphia, it was pretty damn bad. I kind of want to say this about their era. Let's say that Philly wins. Let's say they're they're in the playoff race next season in the Eastern Conference. Aren't you going to kind of say, is this that same shitbag Philly team? Like, this is that team that couldn't win, like, more than 10 NBA games, right? Like, that yeah. stink that was created for the last three years is going to stick with these guys moving forward for at least a few years. Well, one of the reasons what happened with Sam Hinking happened is because he had a terrible a- a relationship with agents around the, the league. And he then he had communication problems. His issues weren't necessarily associated with his process, quote-unquote, the process, as people call it. His issues were associated with the fact that his people pro- skills were awful. Wouldn't talk to people, you know, was kind of like avoiding, basically. He, was, he was, wouldn't address people directly. He, would, he chose to write letters instead of talking to people one-on-one. And he got a sense of it in the, in the letter, too, where he mentioned uh, Slack, mm-hmm. which is uh, frustrating as shit way to try to communicate <laughs> with people. Email is just as good. People that don't like email and prefer Slack are weirdos. I have never communicated on Slack, and I never will. But uh, So he's a guy that maybe prefers non-human interaction? Yes. But at the same time, okay, you hire this guy years ago to do a job where he lays out that he wants 
four, five, six years, maybe. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what the exact plan was. I mean, I read the, I read the letter. I skimmed some of it. Skimmed some of it. I couldn't read all thirteen pages. Couldn't do it. <laughs> but uh, so this is a this is a big plan, and your ownership partakes in it. Something obviously soured during this process. During yeah. two years, they bring in Jerry Colangelo in December of this season. So something soured before this season even started, right? But the thing to yeah. me is they kicked this guy out before his plan, before his vision was complete because I don't know what reasons, but maybe you should have seen it out because you hired this guy. I, 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 I'm, I'm going to look at the nuggets on this in a minute, but what, what do you think? They, I, thought they, I thought they kicked him out too soon. If you're going to stick with this guy, stick with him. Don't kick him to the curb, and now you're going to let the Colangelos take all the glory for when you win 30 games next year? Well, the problem with this is the Nuggets aren't in a national, great national embarrassment situation. (laughs) (laughs) They're not too far off. Yeah, the, 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 the 76ers had... Won 17 games last year, and they won 10 this year. I mean, you look at the, the Nuggets. third year of a rebuild. Third. Well, they hadn't rebuilt yet. They were still Well, yeah, it was, it was a process. Yeah. I mean, you look at the Nuggets, though. I mean, the Nuggets have taken some lumps for you let the executive of the year walk. You yeah. fire the coach of the year. Yeah. You go from 57 wins to, I think it was, what, 36 and then 30? Yeah. So, I mean, the Nuggets... Have they have their own separate issues as far as a teardown goes or how they did it? But they tore down yes, as well, right? Yeah. Uh, to me, I think I think Kinky got kind of screwed over. I think that the Nuggets did the absolute right thing by extending Tim Conley and staff, yeah. by believing in what they were doing because they were, I think, for the Nuggets, the last two years were lost and in a bad place, and this year, this off season, I think. The end of last year, this offseason, and then this year have shown the Nuggets have flipped some kind of script. I don't know what's changed, but there's obviously been some changes from, I mean, they've drafted well, but yeah. they've made better trades at the end of last year, sending out Nate Robinson, get rid of, get rid of, uh, getting rid, JaVale McGee, get I should ridding. say. Get ridding, <laughs> either way. Um, so there's obviously something that changed within the Nuggets that I think definitely if they wouldn't have re-signed Tim Conley to a contract extension, it would have been doing almost the same thing that Sam Hinkie just had. You're halfway through Could a be. vision, or maybe not halfway through it, but the Nuggets are allowing Conley to see out his vision, I think. It, it appears that they're doing that. The Sixers were not willing to let Hinkie see out his vision. And you bring up some good points. Had he wrecked his relationship with agents because of whatever his personality it's is? Communication problems. You look at his draft, his draft, in my book, has sucked. It's been awful. Let's just be frank, because let's, okay, let's throw the 2013 draft with Nerlens and Noel in there, okay? He chose the, the best player available at the time. That's fine. I, I, I watched Nerlens Noel that season at Kentucky. I knew he wasn't going to be a transcendent NBA player. He was not. Definitely. There was no way he was going to be. But then you move that forward to 2014. He was a sixth pick. He was a sixth pick. And who, who was taken after him? <sighs> not a lot of greatness. Ben McLemore, Caldwell Pope, Trey Burke, C.J. McCollum at 10, 
Uh, Michael Carter-Williams at 11 with the Sixers also drafted that year. Steven Adams, Kelly Olnick, Giannis, and Tentacumbo was 15th. Why wouldn't, you, why wouldn't you take a shot on Giannis See, at 11 or 6? You and I talked about this, yeah. about that draft. And, and between Giannis and the first pick in the draft, there was a bunch of shit. And we knew, like, there was... Masai Ujiri liked Giannis. Yes. And that was kind of known in Denver a little bit. Giannis wasn't, even though he was a bit of an unknown quantity, a guy that's like 6'9", 6'10", 6'11", that's able to do what he can do. Crazy athletic. And you have two picks in the top 11, and you don't take one gamble when, I mean, I'm sorry, but Michael Carter-Williams was kind of a known product. Nerlens Noel was maybe had a, a little bit of a ceiling, but when you're looking at a long view and you miss on a guy like Giannis, come on, man, you got to take some shots. Well, it, and it, isn't that what your whole philosophy is about? Exactly, and it, it, it seemed like he killing a guy for a fucking trap that we call a crapshoot. Yes, it seemed like he had trouble evaluating talent, which is like crippling for a GM. You have to have at least the structure there that enables you to make informed decisions about a draft. Okay, then we fast forward this to the 2014 draft, and they take Joel Embiid at number three. And I can't, I mean, I can't really... I go back and forth on this. My inclination is to never take a center that has both bad, a bad back and a bad foot. But at the same time, you know, if you're drafting for the highest potential and if you're trying to take a shot at a long-term project, it's Embiid, man. But what, what happened? Who was drafted at number four? Aaron Gordon. Do you view him similarly as Nerlens Noel, Dante Exum? Like I don't smart, know. I, I see some flashes from... I can't fault him for the Embiid pick. I mean, it was... Yeah, but it, but what, effectively what it did, when you combine that with Sarek... Dario Saric being picked at, what was it, uh, 12? Got him 12, yeah. Okay. He effectively was out of the draft because everyone knew Embiid was going to be out for the year. So, And you knew Saric was not coming. Yeah. yeah. So, it was, I mean, literally, it's like they didn't draft. So they have a draft where they draft New Orleans or well, and then a guy they traded the next year, Michael Carter-Williams, <laughs> and then you get a draft where you get nothing, literally nothing that's going to help your team. And I think, you know, I mean, you, you, have this, you have this letter, you have all this explanation of what his vision was and this and that. But, I mean, at the same time, if you look at hard-packed results and we're talking about the draft, I mean, there's already enough to kind of look at these draft selections and even Jaleel Okafor this year when you look at Porzingis, you know, and you're, you're saying, you're like, okay, well, I mean, so you can't fault him for Embiid. Uh, you look at, like you said, 2013, he takes two guys that are kind of known ceilings. Yeah. And he misses on a guy like Giannis. And then in this draft, he takes Okafor, who's kind of a known ceiling. And you have Porzingis sitting there, who's this total wild card. You have Hazonia. You have Moutier there. Like, I, I think as an ownership group, you can kind of look at it and go, man, this guy is saying he wants to, like, think differently and zig when other guys are zagging. And he's kind of playing this safe. Playing it safe and not drafting with, well, never drafting and getting a guard outside of Michael Carter Williams. The we, fact that they didn't have a point guard on that roster. Pass on Moutier. And maybe, they, on, maybe they had enough when they saw Carter Williams' shooting struggles and maybe that gave them flashbacks. It could be. I mean, but I at know. the same time, if 
if you're confident in your staff and your staff's ability to develop players, which I, I think Philly was pretty comfortable in those areas, I, I don't know. I mean, to me, it's to me, I could see where the ownership group finds fault with these draft picks, and yeah. then you then you couple that with free agents, and you're going, hey, this guy may have a really good plan for five years from now, but. Geez, it sure isn't coming together when we're looking at this thing. Well, especially if, you know, agents were, like, upset with the way he was handling first-round and second-round picks, shaving contracts, cutting people. The K.J. McDaniels deal. Where the K.J. McDaniels deal really hurt him. That was, that was Really, where, really hurt him. It was where that agent came out and said, no, we're not going to sign this ridiculous contract. We're going to gamble on our player doing well and becoming a free agent sooner than you want him to. Exactly. And and that part right there hurt him at just as much as the bad drafts because you're compounding the bad drafting with poor relations with agents. And now, no, not only do people not want to go to Philly, which there's no indication that they wanted to attract people, but not only do people not want to go there, and for the long term, you're going to need that sort of thing. Like Find me, find me, then, a, find me a positive that he's done. Um, like on the court, positive. Brent Brown probably seems like a pretty good Brent, coach. Brent Brown is probably the most positive thing. Um, Robert Covington has been good, but even Hinky admitted in his letter that they almost lost him because he signed to play summer league with a different team, and they got him eighteen months later. But if the best thing that you're going to tout, I mean, Julie Okafor had a, a had a really good year before he got hurt. Yeah, twenty six and seven in his first game. He's shown promise. He can play, but if Embiid gets healthy, then you're looking at a jerk-it situation. Yes. Right? And then you have Nerlens Noel as well. Yes. Um, so to me, if you're bragging that you're, one of your best moves in the draft was Robert Covington, when you know teams like the Spurs should be bragging about Robert Covington. Yeah. Teams like the Sixers that are drafting in the top 10 a couple times in a couple different drafts or twice in the top 12 a couple different times and in the top five a couple times, and you don't have one of those guys that you can tout as being like, hey, <laughs> what about this guy? Yeah. And Julio Okafor, I mean, come on. Any, everybody knows, even though he may play in the league for 10, 12 years, he's kind of a dinosaur in a sense. People don't, I mean, as much as it pains me. Am I being rude to Okafor right now? No, as much as it pains me is people don't have back-to-the-basket centers anymore. Everyone's faced the basket. Pace and space, blah, blah, blah. Specifically with a team like the uh, Philadelphia 76ers, who are the embodiment of pace and space. They, they came to Denver and almost won, and they shot almost 43-point shots. Yeah. It was unwatchably bad. I cannot stand that many three-point shots just being watched. It was, well, it that's, was, that's your own personal issue. That is, uh, yes, it is. <laughs> but it was just, it was just dreadful. I couldn't watch it. And what kind of person is, uh, how does Jahil Jahil, uh, Jahil Okafor fit into this? He doesn't. How how does does Joel Embiid fit into it? Yeah, because he's a backup center right now if Okafor's healthy, right? I mean, he's a back-to-the-basket center. He was at Kansas. Or Embiid is your starting center, and now suddenly Okafor is your backup, and there's going to be, I mean, I don't even know. What you hope for if you're the Sixers is that Embiid pans out and that you can trade Okafor, but what the hell is his trade value? Even even if you were drafting him for trade value? Well, especially after all that personal things he had, which was another part, having a team full of 
nothing but rookies and D-leaguers. So no veteran on there to guide Jalil Okafor. Let's say in some fantasy world that the Lakers get leapfrogged a couple times and lose their draft pick. And now the Sixers have, let's say it's two and five. Who would you feel more comfortable with drafting? Tim Conley or Sam Hinkie? Tim Conley. <laughs> it's not even close. So you accept Hinkie's resignation letter and say, okay, look, you may have had this brilliant plan for a long-term strategy, but I, I don't know. I, I feel bad for Hinkie in a sense. Is it brilliant? Is it, is it just? Well, he, ha- he had, he had in, in theory, it was good, <laughs> right? Like if you read that letter, you're like, all right, I can see some points you're making. But I mean, every team that's bad does the same purpose, thing. purpose, it looks terrible. I mean, literally every team that's bad does the same thing. That uh, he did. I mean, as far as intentionally bad. I'm not talking about accidentally bad, like the Milwaukee Bucks were a couple a couple of years ago. I'm talking about intentionally bad teams. They hoard cap space. They collect draft assets. It, hap- it, it has gone on since the 80s. All he did was extend it out for several years. And I, I also do not feel comfortable with where Philadelphia is now with Jerry and Brian Colangelo at the helms. Mm-hmm. And and maybe I, I, if they if if Jerry Colangelo really was looking as as Wojnowski hinted at as, as Stein may have hinted at if, if they were really looking to push Sam Hinkie out the door, who's to say that they may not look to push Brent Brown at the door for Mike D'Antoni, who has been a big l- part of USA basketball with Jerry Colangelo, and he's the lead assistant, the on, lead assistant. But he uh, Brent Brown was just signed. I believe this last uh, year into an extension, so right. it's going to be harder to justify that sort of thing than it would be Hinky just resigning and giving up money. You know, I just don't feel good with where they're going to go now. I, I kind of feel like they're going to run away from what Hinky was trying to do. In a sense, maybe they try to like win as many games as possible. Maybe they spend a bunch of money this summer, and I don't know. I I. I I didn't necessarily like what Hinky was doing. I could kind of see why he was trying to do it. And honestly, if you gave Tim Conley Sam Hinky's draft picks over the last few years, I'd be very interested to see what he would have done with them. Mm, that's interesting. We will, I have a feeling he would have drafted Aaron Gordon. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Who knows who he takes? But I, I just, Hinky might have had the right plan, but the wrong execution. And now I feel like they've brought in guys because they've been scared of that. And they're going to build back up in a scary way. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, just because they have cap space doesn't mean that they'll automatically be able to use it. Right. This free agent cl- class this year is pretty bad. I can see him giving Nick Batum like a max deal. <laughs> you know, I don't. Yeah. I don't know what they're. Yeah, I don't know good. what they're going to do. But at the same time, it makes me appreciate what the Nuggets have done. Yeah. Well, in a grand sense, I mean, the Nuggets have rebuilt in a. But, I mean, even the Nuggets haven't exactly done everything right. They've tried to play it both ways. Um, and they, they, they got things right towards the end of last season, firing Shaw, trading Nate, trading JaVale. Yeah. It's like they got them. They, they were trying to say we get a mulligan for the Shaw experiment when, in actuality, the Nuggets did it wrong. And we need to be 100% honest with each other and the fans and say that the Nuggets – tried something with Shaw that didn't work and it wasn't part of a, a grand rebuild scheme. True. What it was was they were trying to win with a different style. And Yeah, they kind of thought they could take 
most of the parts they had from the 57-win team, bringing a coach that preached this style of knowing how to win in the playoffs. Exactly. And push forward, and it, it didn't flat work. on his face. It didn't work. He didn't have the personnel for it. it I was just, hugely in favor bad. of Shaw, although I, I never sat down and interviewed Shaw for a head coaching vacancy, so no, I don't know what no, he said. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we, we weren't one of the 13 places he'd interviewed before. I've appreciated what the Nuggets have done <laughs> this previous offseason plus this year. But yeah. yeah, very sketchy the last two years under yeah. the uh, Shaw era. I think in order for us to... to adequately analyze Tim Connolly. we got to start with the, basically last season. The, the offseason of 2014-15, of uh, what he did with the draft there. Then they fired Shaw. Obviously, that was a lost year. Then it started pretty much again this last offseason. I'm curious to see how they reset. The Nuggets are never going to be a team that commits to a Philly-esque tank job. It's just not going to happen. But the Nuggets have sufficiently been bad enough to where it's affected their attendance. It has affected their bottom line. The attendance thing is so bizarre to me. It just seems almost The, the Nuggets, for, the, for reference, are 30th out of 30 teams in attendance. It just seems almost baffling. It's almost... I, I, I can't even figure out well, you why would it is. I think that... Attendance would be a you know follow where the team is in a in the league. I think next year is going to be a true barometer of if this season was actually a goodwill season and if it went towards showing fans that they are back on the right track or not. I don't I don't know. That's a good and question. We'll, and we'll see this summer. You know what happens. I'm, I'm also I'm leery of some moves this summer. I, I don't want to see the Nuggets trade for Kevin Love. I don't want to see that. Yeah. I don't want to see the Nuggets give DeMar DeRozan or someone of that nature a, a max lead or a max contract. No, I don't want to see that either. You know, I, I think that they should be they should be patient. Let's see what let's see what Moutier does. Let's let's see what Jokic does. And I said this with, with my friend Brady Hall up in Greeley on his radio show. I said DeMarcus Cousins is gonna be a free agent in a couple of years. Yeah. And more than likely, if the Kings wind up trading him and it's not to Denver, if they trade him this offseason or next, it's there's a pattern of guys re-signing with the team that traded for them, right? Yeah, yeah. You don't see too many guys drift away. So, I mean, it happens. But I, I, I think, let's say two years from now, Moody is going to be 22-23. Jokic is going to be 23-24. Yeah. You're going to get a meeting with DeMarcus Cousins in free agency if he becomes a free agent, if he becomes an unrestricted free agent. Yeah. There might be a benefit into signing him as a free agent at that point in time versus trading for him this summer yeah. when next season he may just grow frustrated with Moutier and Jokic and whoever these young guys are because they need to find their legs a little bit still. Yeah, they do. And I think Kevin Love would be frustrated if they brought him in. You know, these guys, Moutier, Jokic, Gary Harris, Nurkic, they need a couple more years to figure out who they are before the Nuggets start figuring out what free agents they want to bring in, in my opinion. If the Nuggets don't, by perchance, get the first or second pick in the draft... Brandon Ingram! <laughs> yeah. If they don't, uh, it'll, be hard. it'll be a hard sell for the fans. Because if they're going to go down that path, then what do, you, what do you got to do? God, if you draft like Draylon Brown, eighth, if you have like the eighth pick, mm. it's like, Jalen Brown? 
<laughs> just nothing exciting. I can see it now. I can see Jalen Brown becoming my favorite player and being a Hall of Famer. <laughs> and we can go back and listen to this can, podcast where I trash the guy. I can see it now. Timothy Luwawu gets drafted. Luwawu. <laughs> I like Luwawu. Luwawu? But, yeah, I don't know, man. It's, it's just it's a big offseason. It's, it's, it's huge. And and no one cares about it because it's the Nuggets. But this is this is really, truly a huge offseason. I'm curious you to know what because most fans they can't, think. They can't. The Nuggets can't be, because of their the attendance issues, they can't afford to be sit back and just wait for, you know, Don't you people think to mature. They, what do you think they do? Let's say they bring back this basically exact team. Let's say they win 33 games this year. How many wins? Would it be ridiculous to say that they should win 40-plus next year? That they should be 500 at least next year? Couldn't they get there if, if, if the guys de- that we've talked about have good off seasons? Honestly, it depends on... Boy, I don't think so. I think they need a thing. I need. They think they need. I mean, if Moutier goes ingredient. from shooting thirty-seven or, or thirty, let's say he goes from shooting thirty-nine percent from the field to forty-three percent, you know that would help. That's huge. Yeah, no, no, that would help. And if uh, Gary Harris uh, continues his development, if you know Gallo plays a full eighty-two, if you have. You know Wilson Chandler coming back. Wilson we, Chandler is not you know going to be Michael Jordan coming we, back. And we can't say Gallo play a full eighty two. If Gallo plays seventy plus 70, games, seventy, yeah. put it at seventy. If Gallo plays seventy, I'm I will be happy. Um, but once you get to that point, that's Gallo's last year essentially. They they have to you add know? talent somewhere at some point somehow. Yeah. I just don't know what the right play is, and and, and the free agency class this this off season is pretty. Meh. Yeah, yeah. I, there's nobody in this class, and I'm like, they got to go get that guy. Other than Kevin Durant. Yeah, I mean, to me, this this free agency, if they signed your boy Tyler Johnson, is that his name mm. from Miami? I'd be pretty happy with something like that. Yeah, like take a shot at one of these younger guys. I'd much rather have. Tyler Johnson as the backup point guard to Moutier than Augustine or Jameer Nelson. Me too. And he can also play a little off ball. He's kind of a combo guard. She's like forty percent from three. Like I, I would, I would. Your your buddy, the wind, would be really happy with that too. I'm I'm really really the I, wind. I, I the wind himself. I that is something that actually would be really intriguing to me. Like, don't go for these dudes that have already used up their potential. Go for one of these young guys that, you yeah. know, another kind of Will Barton-type player that you might be able to bring in here and yeah. they take a little bit of a jump. Absolutely. Yeah. Do that with guys. I mean, don't don't labor your uh, uh, ledger with a bunch of, you know, Joel Anthony's and stuff like that. Do it with... Yeah, Joel Anthony. <laughs> just do it with guys who are young and have upside that you identify Even that like, maybe you could steal from Miami. You never know. Yeah, I mean, with what they have to do this offseason, there's a chance. Like, like what, what, is, what is Chandler Parsons going to do? I know the Nuggets had interest in him dating back to when he was at Florida, but what would he do for this team besides maybe get you into this eighth seed, you know? But while he's doing that, is he taking up all of Gary Harris? Is he starting? Is he taking Harris's minutes at two? 
and now you've you know cut off that growth. Well, he's one with three. I know, right? Like, so he I mean, is. You but get him, and obviously, if 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 you get him, Gallo will be gone. Yeah, and, and then and then you're trading a younger guy for the same problems, right? Injury concerns. Yeah. He has his micro fracture, meniscus, blah 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 blah. Don't do something like that. Don't do that. Yeah. You know, don't do that. Guys. Don't do that. Don't. <laughs> we'll see what they do, but it's a huge off season. I'm interested to see how they play it. Uh, I think everybody is. You know, I know. Lots well, there's of only three it. games left. I mean, really, we're wrapping up the season right now. It they is, it they is have to beat the Jazz, by the way. Why? Because they need that Houston uh, draft pick. Yeah. <laughs> they need that Houston. But pick. don't they? Don't they need to increase their own draft odds more? Yeah, if they're going to win one one more game, I hope it comes against Utah. I'll just say that. <laughs> Beat the Jazz. Just hope it's against Utah. Put the Jazz out the playoffs. Yeah, well. Care about them. Yeah. And so, like, the wind will be upset. He will be very upset. <laughs> we talked about that earlier. <laughs> talked about that with Harrison at length. His Jazz. Jazz. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. All right, well, that's, that's, that's going to wrap the Nuggets. Maybe get into some of these shows yeah. we're watching. What's up, everybody? <laughs> CSG Podcast <laughs> in the house. Where have we been? Ross yeah. Hipster's Glasses Martin stuck in Texas. King of Thornton, Jeff Morton in the house. Yes. We're here. We're so queer. We, we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast a little uh, TV talk, and Jeff had talked about The Ranch. The Ranch, and I, I still can't believe you didn't like it. It's horrible. It seemed like totally up your alley, too. It's awful. I like shows with depth. That show had none. Well. Yeah. I mean, if you have a sitcom, it's not going to be have depth. Yeah. Friends had some depth, though. Come on. Seinfeld? Nah, Seinfeld didn't. Friends had a little bit every once in a while. What? Depth? No. Come on. Um, Ross waiting outside the door at the cafe for Rachel. (laughs) It's it's very nice. You you ever watched it recently, Friends, and thought, God, that's 90s. That is so 90s. Especially like Seinfeld. My favorite thing is uh, how most problems on Seinfeld could be resolved with cell phones. Yeah. It's like, oh, man, a cell phone man. really screws up a lot of yeah. what they had in store for that show. You couldn't communicate. No. Kramer calling from a phone booth on first and first. <laughs> I'm at the nexus <laughs> of the universe. <laughs> I, was in, uh, I was in Greeley one time in college, and uh, we'd gone to Greeley and done some partying, and my buddy that was driving back, who was our sober driver on the way back, got totally lost. Had never been to, none of us had ever been to Greeley. Yeah. Uh, we're totally lost, and we come to 8th and 8th. And I was like, <laughs> we're at the nexus of the universe. <laughs> and we go into, we go into 7-Eleven and figure out how to get the hell out of there. But I was oh like, 8th and 8th and Greeley. Like, I'm never coming back to this town. <laughs> nexus of the universe. Have you tried Terrifying. to watch, uh, just came out, it's called American Odyssey. Have you seen that? No, never even heard of it. Um, What's it's it on? Kind of, it's, on it's on Netflix. It's a, okay. it's a, um, oh man, it's kind of a thriller, kind of like, it's a 12 episodes, I think. I like that. And I've, I'm about four episodes in and it's great. It's really, that. really good. Um, it's a good storyline. It's kind of like a nexus of corporate corporations and governments and terrorism and all this stuff. And it's really, really well acted. I, I liked it. Is it a American show? Yes. Is there anybody in it that's famous? No. 
Nice. I like that. I like shows that introduce new people. <laughs> uh, the Wire was like that. A lot of a lot of HBO shows, or some of them, introduce new guys. Uh, what, one have you, what have you been watching? A couple I've liked on Netflix. I don't know if I talked about it previously. Love was really good. I saw Love. I liked that one. Uh, it took a while to get used to the the main male character. Well, he's such a ugly man. He's he's <laughs> ugly and somehow <laughs> has sex and. Somehow. Somehow. And then he is so by the end, I don't feel sorry for him in the slightest. No, I, I, I really, uh, spoiler alerts on this one, but I started to hate him towards yeah, the end. Me too. And I started to like the girl towards the end and felt kind of bad for her. And like the she got nutty screwed girl? over. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was really weird. And then. Uh, Although I did like the episode where they go, go to the, uh, the, the magic show. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Yeah. That was funny. And it was like. I don't know. That's kind of where I started to turn on him a little bit because I was like, who the fuck wants to go to a magic castle? Exactly. It's terrifying. Exactly. There's that one and then uh, Will Arnett, uh, I think, helped produce. I don't know if he helped direct, but the Flaked on Netflix. Oh, I said that. I haven't seen it yet. Oh. I, 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 I clicked by it. It's, it's, a, it's a good one to watch, but it's also hard to watch because it's, again, I uh, will do... The whole thing's kind of spoiler alerts. I don't see anybody who cares about that shit. Uh, it, it's <laughs> it, it's not a happy show. Yeah, and that's the yeah. It's hard to wrap your mind around because you're going, you're expecting something to like happen to make things good and better, and it just never that quite comes. First, I, I remember now. I watched that first episode, and I'm like, oh man, he's not appealing. Yeah, the first episode, I hated it. I was oh. like, "This show sucks." I turned it off halfway through. Yeah, it just, it's, I, just there was something about it, and I never gave it a chance. So maybe I should, if it's good. Though. Yeah, I went back and did the three episode, and by episode two, I was hooked. And then three, I think I watched the whole thing in like two days or something. Oh, okay. Well, so it was awesome. Try that. It well, was a good one. They've had some interesting um, new shows. I, I watched this show called Death in Paradise. That's really good. Um, they finally put on their website, they finally have a section of Netflix originals. I'm like, I've been thinking of that for two years. You still haven't seen River, have you? Have you? River? Yeah. No. That's a Netflix original? Yeah. I don't think I've seen that one. It's really good. I like rivers. No, it's not about a river. Damn it. It's about a guy named River. But it's... it's <laughs> Even it, better. It's, <laughs> I thought that was the best Netflix series I have seen at all. Period. Really? Yeah. Out of all of them? Really good. Damn, I can't even remember what my favorite ones are. House of Cards, I fell off after the first or second season. Yeah, I haven't haven't seen it since the second season. I can't. Our friend Brooke Kale told me to watch or told Twitter to watch episode or season four. I can't do it. I've looked at it like eight times. I thought about it during the day. I'm like, I can't do it. It's kind of samey, you know, and it's like Talk about someone who's not appealing, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know it's weird too. This isn't. This is a. I, I've been trying to find newer, different podcasts. I listened to the rights of Ricky Sanchez when they they gave their uh, their morning of Sam Hinkie. Uh, I listened to that one today. Uh, but I recently listened to Joey Crawford with Wojnowski. How Did was that? that? I haven't listened to that one yet. I can't decide if Joey Crawford is like the biggest scumbag I've ever listened to. That's like egotistical, full of himself, and psychotic, or if he's like kind of brilliant, totally dedicated to refereeing. 
it was just weird. It's a it's a weird podcast, and it, I, I kind of feel like he's a bit of everything. Like he's obsessed with refereeing, really, but at the same time, he's also obsessed with being one of the main attractions. Like he said, one of his favorite, one of the things he'll miss most is breaking up fights. Because if he doesn't, that players will start to police themselves on the court or something. Or not even breaking up fights, just taking control of a game. Yeah. And it was like, dude, yeah, that's who you've been your entire career, right? Remember, well, I mean, who is it that he threw out for laughing? Tim Duncan. Duncan. Yes. He talks about telling Mozgov to shut up. Yeah. And how it was caught on camera and how things would be better if there weren't so many cameras around so oh, they man. could get away with shit. <laughs> uh, and then he talks about in 98 how he was fired from the NBA for taking the first class, clean, first class plane tickets they received as referees and selling them and then buying like coach tickets instead and pocketing a little extra coin. <laughs> and he was blaming it on, well, that's just what we did at the time. That was just how things were done. That's, how that's were just done. how things were done, you know? I mean, that's the Lance Armstrong thing. Everybody was juicing. I juiced too. Oh, what's that called? Uh, Herd mentality? <laughs> no, no, no. The, the, when you do that sort of thing, it's like, it's almost like laundering money. But you're yeah. not, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it, I don't know. Well, it's was, it's he illegal. Was, he was fired and then he was rehired by the NBA like that offseason or something. But it was interesting. It, I didn't know his dad was a longtime official. His brother's in the major leagues for baseball, which or was one of the two. It was it was a good podcast. It was interesting. I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, felt kind of weird for listening to it at the same time. So it was basically covered <laughs> it all the felt bases. Dirty. Yeah, it's like. Have you been listening to JJ Reddick's podcast? Yeah, I love his podcasts. They're good. They're all kind of samey, though. I mean, it's he just kind of, except for that one with uh, God, who who was it? It was one of the recent ones. Um, Is where that he Donald Foyle, Donald Foyle, yeah, where he's talking about you know, it's killer. It, it, that one was really good. I didn't like the one with Kyle Corver. I, I expected more from that one. Yeah, that was awful. Um, I thought Kyle Lowry one was good. Yeah. The, the Jamal Crawford one was all right. Jared Dudley was cool. It's yeah. cool to hear some of that inside perspective. Uh, I thought I thought Chris Mannix did a, a pretty poor job with Andre Miller. I love Chris Mannix. Thinks he does. Think he does uh, great work. But I just I, I feel like I think he's better on radio than he is a podcast stuff. Yeah, I just I just kind of felt like there was just a lot of obvious stuff said to Andre where I think if you know Andre Miller, if you kind of followed his career really closely there's maybe some different stuff to, to ask him but I've, I've really liked the verticals uh st- i mean they're giving us incredible insight into players coaches general managers it's been really good yeah i mean it's a good venture i mean i thought people thought it was like a uh you know in the 70s uh, bands used to start their own record labels it was called a vanity label and i thought it was a vanity label for uh for uh, uh adrian Wojnarowski. but to be honest with you it's been Substantive and good for the most part, um, and I was, I've enjoyed I was them. Really, really surprised that Mark Spears left and went to ESPN. That was surprising to me too, because it, he had pretty good there. Well, it felt like that. Obviously, that that Woj was building this Grantland type venture, right? This separate entity that was this. They bring in Michael Lee. And they bring in Chris Mannix. They give JJ Redick a podcast. Bobby Marks is a huge part of it, and then Spears was just gone and it was like man it really felt like i would have loved to have listened to mark spears do a podcast with players as a former college player himself 
and is a guy that to me is you know has a great beat on pop culture and about what's going on and kind of how players think a little bit i think he would have brought in something really interesting in a podcast format well as cs avid csg listeners will know we interviewed mark spears four years ago I remember telling him on the podcast about the game I shadowed him for for the Nuggets, and then he accused me of stalking him because I read him <laughs> Marcus Camby's stats from that game when he had like 20 and 20. <laughs> that was a great uh, little interview we did. It was about thir- about 27 minutes long. I, anyone who uh, – I'll that's something that I'll probably put on Twitter if you want to re- re- listen to it again. It's really good. It was Mark cool Spears he, was really good. And he talked about – his his dad and how he left, you know, the big time Boston newspaper to join Yahoo Sports, and his dad was like, "What are you doing?" Well, yeah, because I asked you him. Know? I remember asking him. Well, I mean, what's the difference between being a daily newspaper writer with an editor and then going to Yahoo Sports where there is none? Right. And yeah. uh, he was really good about this. You know, talking about the difference that he felt between newspapers and what they're doing now on online journalism, and it was fascinating. It's, it, it was one of my favorite podcasts we've ever done. It yeah. was really good. Um, but, you know, I've, did you listen to Bill Simmons' uh, uh, interview with Chuck Klosterman? I did, yeah. And that, it's funny because sometimes I feel like Klosterman is trying to challenge Bill or make him look stupid or something. It's, I it's, think so. It's kind of a fun dynamic. I, I also think they're probably... I mean, they're obviously friends of some kind as well. Yeah, Chuck Klosterman writes a lot of articles for um, Variety and uh, Vanity Fair. He's got a lot of books out, too. I love yeah, his books. Good he's, stuff. he's not really a sports guy. He is a... He's like a college sports guy. College, yeah, college sports guy, and he writes a lot of stuff on music. He's big Ton. music, big sports, I think. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of like me, basically. My interests, even though I'm not you know, a huge sports fan. I am a huge music fan. Yeah. You know, and that is, you know, something that, uh, that would interest me if I was in. But anyways, I was listening to it, and they were talking about Joe Lacob and his comments. Oh, I still need to read that New York Times piece on Joe Lacob. It's, it's he, one got, of, he got absolutely killed on the True podcast, too, with, with some of those guys over there. Oh, I'm going to have to listen to that one, too. I, was, I listened to the one because I think you listened to the one with Klosterman. And were, right. You know... I, I knew this was going to be a problem, and I, and I told this to uh, my friends, well, you and uh, a couple other guys, about how, Lacob, you should have known this is going to happen because he's the guy who boasted that Andre Iguodala's cousin came over to him and was saying how much Andre's co- Andre liked the Golden State Warriors uh, organization during the playoffs at Pepsi Center. Right. I mean, if a guy who's like that is like feels no, you know, problem with admitting that sort of thing, obviously is going to think that his organization is light years ahead of everyone else's organization. Yeah. So anyway, I couldn't I couldn't help but think of that when I was listening to that today. Yeah, he, it was it was interesting. I, I haven't read the Lake of Peace yet, but I got a very good sense of what it was about from listening to to both podcasts as well as uh, you know some of our friends and colleagues around Denver and it just it seems funny the one thing that both Klosterman and the Troop guys pointed out was Lacob bragging that he is one of the 10 best blackjack players in the world 
I just and, I have to go. Then he won a million dollars or something like that, or nine million or something like that at the people blackjack just, table. People just don't want owners to. They want them to talk and be accessible, but at the same time, like anytime they start patting themselves on the back, I think it makes people want to throw up. Well, you do. You, you, <laughs> you want to. You you know that an owner has a lot of money. You don't want to hear about them having a lot of money. Or, like, <laughs> how much hand... Closerman uh, brought up a great point on that podcast. He's like, look, he's taking credit for a lot of this Warriors stuff. Steph Curry was drafted before he was the owner. Yep. Clay Thompson was drafted before he was the owner. Yep. Like, They traded Monte Ellis before he was the owner, I believe, right? That might have been right after. Was it? I can't totally remember on that one. Oh, but wait, it's like, yeah. Was that when he got booed? Yeah, he I, got... Yeah. Is that why he got booed? Because they traded him for yeah. Because they traded him for Bogut. Bogut, and he was the he was the favorite player at the time. Yeah, Uh, yeah. I don't know. I I gotta go read that article because I just want to kind of read about uh, pompous rich guy taking (laughs) taking credit. That's fascinating. It it really, you know, it's 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 always great for me to hear about people who just have no sense of who they are, and they just will blurt things out. And he's completely like one of those guys. Yeah. I'm trying to think of uh, any other recent movies I've seen. I know I just watched like a couple pay-per-view movies the other day. I can't remember what they are. Oh, I watched uh, Before Last Night, Night Before Last, the Seth Rogen movie about Christmas. Oh, how was that? Whatever. Uh, It was pretty funny. Kind of that, you know, Judd Apatow-y type movie. I don't know if that was Judd Apatow. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't think that was. It, it was. It was good. I, I thought it was all right. Uh, and then I watched Daddy's Home, the Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg movie. Mm, how was that? Uh, again, it had its, it, all of his movies. It always takes me like a couple viewings to get his jokes and to think it's really good. So I got to watch it a couple more times. But first take, pretty good, pretty decent. I, sp- I spent a lot of time watching older movies this this uh, last week. I did watch Get Him to the Greek last night. Killer. <laughs> Get Him to the Greek. Killer movie. Old I believe, movie. I believe uh, Puffy makes it. Uh, he's not called Puffy anymore. Sergio in that movie. <laughs> Sergio. Um, I watched The Fog. The Fog. Didn't watch that. <laughs> I haven't seen that. <laughs> and I watched the movie Body Bags. It was in a horror kick. So I was watching all these horror movies. I was trying to find a good horror movie to watch. And you don't like horror movies. I recommended a kind of horror movie to you, and it like damaged our friendship. That's how much you hated it. I just don't like the uh, <laughs> like comedy horror movies. I mm. know there's like a whole new genre of that. Cabin Fever being among those. I'm just I'm into like I want to if I'm watching a horror movie, I want it to be like scary. Oh, you mean uh, Cabin in the Woods? You didn't like? Yeah, Cabin in the Woods. Cabin Fever kind of <laughs> kind of similar. Yeah, kind of. Kind of. But yeah, I just I want my, my I want my horror movies to be like beginning to end just bloodbath, terror. You know, that's why I like zombie movies. Although zombie movies have a lot of well, stupid cheesy one liners. I mean, have you ever seen you know, the original Dawn of the Dead? There's humor in that. You know, and I didn't watch the original, but I own the remake. You own the remake. Yeah, it's killer. Yeah, you know, it's a, I I kind of I can see where you're coming from on that. Um, it's kind of why I like, you know, John Carpenter movies and stuff like that. And the same, the same man who did Halloween, The Thing, um, you know, Escape from New York, The Fog, all those movies. He also did Starman with Jeff Bridges. Remember Star that movie? Where yeah. Jeff Bridges plays the alien. It's like no, a, it's like I a didn't. romantic comedy with uh, with Deborah Winger. 
I don't think I ever saw that. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it's like, well, it's, you, know, you just sometimes you just do do movies. But anyway, yeah, no, I haven't watched any real new movies lately. I almost watched. I was going through HBO's on-demand movies. By the way, I think Encore is gone now. Is it? I think it's like stars. I couldn't Man, find it. Today. Encore was a. Was a was a thing like for a, all through the nineties, but now it's called like Stars Encore. But I can't find just Encore on on demand. I I don't know. I got to figure that out. Maybe I'll call Comcast and stay on the phone for four hours doing nothing. That's why you should get direct TV. But I watched uh, I watched a trailer for a movie with David Schwimmer. I don't remember what the years were, but he was trying to talk. Do you ever see uh, Mallrats? Yes. You know the the funny guy from Mallrats that ended up getting that. Earl Show or whatever it was. Jason Lee. Jason Lee, yeah. It's, yeah. So it's David Schwimmer and Jason Lee. Really? And Schwimmer is... Uh, I only watched a trailer. He's dating a girl or asks her to marry him or something, and then he tries to get Jason Lee. He's like, I got to figure out if this chick is legit. Like, I want you to try to sleep with her. So then, And then I'll figure out if she's like trustworthy or whatever. And then Jason Lee is like, are you asking me this because you don't really want to marry her and you're trying to get out of it? And that was what the trailer was about. And I was like, this kind of looks interesting to watch. I think it's called like Kissing a Fool or something like interesting. that. Interesting. Is that a new movie? No, it's old. It's from really? like either the 90s or the early 2000s. I was going to say, if it's a new movie, like then David Schwimmer is not going to be in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't even let him. Did you watch the OJ show? Or you didn't? He, he yeah. played uh, Robert Kardashian in that, didn't he? He did. And <laughs> he didn't talk for like the last few episodes. He just made like these... Uh, terrifying faces it was great and the funniest part is he's like a foot taller than the actual kardashian it's like they don't you know they're not the same ethnicity it's one's jewish yeah it's more of you're pushing these white guys into these roles you know you're still trying to whitewash hollywood uh the hair was awful he was much taller like there was one part where he was like unable to contain oj and it's like you're bigger than oj how can you not contain this guy? Cuba Gooding Jr. Yeah, and it's like in real life, I know it was vice versa. I know that OJ is bigger mm. than Kardashian was, but it's pretty interesting. You know what's crazy is Kardashian passed away from throat cancer, right? Yes. And then Johnny Cochran died of a brain tumor. Yes. And it was like, was this karma for getting OJ hot? Huh? <laughs> karma for <laughs> <laughs> too soon. The calamities that happened like, yeah, because like, not all, none of those guys got any substantial cases after that. That uh, well, and the the show seemed to indicate that Kardashian knew that OJ was guilty, and then after the trial was over, their friendship basically was over. Really, and Johnny Cochran, same thing. I mean, he knew he played these tricks on the jury to get him out of this. You know, he played this kind of the, a civil rights type card at the time when it was about a murder and about domestic violence and it was it's like did these guys die because they knew he was guilty and they helped him get away with this? I'll never forget it. <laughs> do, you, do you remember where you were when the verdict came in? No, I don't. Okay, I was, I was in high school. I was uh, in my junior year and I'll never forget, I was on my way to art class and someone told me they found OJ not guilty. I went, ah, oh, and I walked into art class and I said, juice. <laughs> juice. <laughs> and the art teacher goes, ah, oh, he murdered some people. Okay. Oh, God. And I went, well, he was found not guilty. See, I uh, that doesn't change anything. I remember the chase. Mr. Farney. I remember some of it being on TV. I just don't really like, 
none of it really sunk in. I think I was. Well, how old were you? Twelve. Twelve. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. Let's see. Yeah, I remember vividly actually the uh, the game because it was game seven and it was just it's happening while it was going on. Yeah. But um, the verdict, yeah, was the verdict. I was like, I was in school. I burned into my brain. Me saying juice and then, then Mr. Farney getting all upset at me. Thank you very much. I yeah, I just I don't know. Tough for me to place where I was. No, I, I mean, there's other big events where I can. Not everyone's as old as me. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I remember where I was, you know, vividly for other moments, especially like you know September 11th. I remember exactly where I was in Fort Collins at. Uh, uh, some things stick out, but that one yeah. was yeah, yeah. It's a little too young for, for the OJ one. But it's been fun to watch. Although I, I think I was, I was telling you this before we recorded, Esquire had the real trial on. And I had it on while I was like doing other stuff, chores around the house. And they were interviewing Cato Kalin. And I looked at it, and he's wearing an outfit. And I go away for I don't know how long. Come back, and Cato's wearing a different outfit. So I'm like, okay, so this is a new day where they're talking to him again. Who played Cato Kalin in the... Some guy that kind of looked like him. I don't know who really? he was. Was it actually Cato Kalen? No, I heard he needs work. Been. <laughs> <laughs> but I came back a third time, and Cato was wearing a different outfit. I'm like, how many fucking days did they? They had him on. As I remember, they had him on the stand a lot, and he lied his ass off. Oh, of course he did. <laughs> but the show, I mean, any TV show, you have to make it interesting so people watch. But watching the closing arguments, Marsha Clark, Christopher Darden. They thanked, especially Darden, thanked the jury more than they actually said stuff. They just kept saying, oh, you guys have been so great, and, you know, you got this whole tough thing, and blah, blah, blah. And it was just horrible. They stumbled over words. They stumbled over what they were saying, and it just wasn't as clean as any movie or TV show. Plus, there was no music playing in the background during the actual trial like there was on the TV show. So, you know, you couldn't, it wasn't that dramatic. Didn't have the dramatic music playing, the, right. the swelling orchestra. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible. Oh, man. Well, yeah, other than that, I really haven't, didn't, it, uh, I just, I'm watching my British shows, so. Are you going to, you're, you're the uh, comic book character t-shirt guy. Are you going to go see Batman, Superman? Trainator tell you if it was any good? I mean, oh, yeah, I, I, I actually... Trey liked it. No, he didn't. In his heart of hearts, he hated it. But, about, you know, it, it took him the second viewing, he told me, to, to like it. What about Deadpool? Have you seen that? I have. It's good. It Really? Yeah, I've heard good things about it. I've been really hesitant to go see it. I want to see it, though. I got to um, see it. Have you seen, did you see Mad Max? Loved Mad Max. Fury Road? Okay. One of my favorite seen movies it. of all time. It's, uh, it. it's about a Fury Road. It's furious. It's crazy. It's good. What a lovely day. Yeah. <laughs> the, part's, the part was played so much in the previous. <laughs> All right, man. Should we get out of here? We should. All right. Jake Sports and Spirits. Thanks for hosting us. Jake Feinstein, as always, very nice man. Yes. Very nice. We'll see you guys, what, next week? Next week. Hey, let's do it.